Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast, where today I will be talking about one of the greatest television shows of all time, Beverly Hills 90210, as well as the new reboot, if that's what you want to call it, BH 90210. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, Evan, you tried this crap already, and it was a disaster, and it was a disaster, and I apologize. I wanted to try something different. And that difference was, I'm on vacation in North Carolina, I'm right by a beach, a lot of 90210 took place at a beach. What a novel idea if I record this podcast from a beach. It backfired, all right? I knew it backfired about 45 minutes after I uh, dropped it when a friend of mine texted me that his wife, because he couldn't admit it was him, he said, my wife was so excited to hear about 90210, and all we heard was whipping winds. So I apologize. Now, with that said, I haven't learned my lesson, because coming up in the next few weeks, it will be a very busy time for the Evan Roberts podcast, and no, it will not be about my fantasy leagues. Uh, I like to do retrospectives, kind of history things with professional wrestling, and with the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view coming up, we'll be doing a Hell in a Cell retrospective. Now, you may say, okay, well, what, what are you trying that's different? I figure that a lot of people listening will be missing baseball if you're a Mets fan. If you're a Yankee fan, you got your baseball, you got the playoffs. So I will be recording the Hell in a Cell retrospective while watching Jacob deGrom's final start of the 2019 season. So there'll be the ambiance of a Met game going on in the background. I hope it doesn't end up like the disaster that the 90210 podcast was. Also, coming up as this baseball season concludes, and this will be dropping Sunday morning, the day of Game 162, I will do a Yankee season and playoff preview roundtable. Also, the following day, on that Monday after the baseball season ends, I'm going to tell you, along with a, a special guest, who should win every award in Major League Baseball. I didn't want to wait till November when they announce it, because by the time we get to November, first of all, we don't care. And second of all, I think we're very biased in who should win one award. Because let's be honest about it, by that moment, we're thinking about what happened in the playoffs, right? I mean, that is going through our mind. And the truth is, these awards have nothing to do with the playoffs. The votes are casted before the playoffs even start. So I figured to go along with the timing of that, We'll have that podcast on that Monday. The Hell in the Cell podcast will debut the following Wednesday. We'll have a Met season recap a week after that, an NBA season preview podcast. Uh, so there's a lot of crap going on. Now, let me start with BH90210 and the history of 90210 and why I, why I feel, and I am not afraid to admit, 
is one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And I touched on a little bit of this during the Winfield podcast. Obviously, when 90210 launched in 1990, I was six years old, about to turn seven. I was not watching it at the time. I got into it right around season three because I wanted to be like my sister. My sister's three and a half years older than me. She loved the show. I'm trying to kind of, as a nine or 10-year-old at that moment, I'm trying to be cool, I guess. So I started watching the show. I was drawn in by, you know, who was going to be with who. I think at that moment, Dylan was cheating on Brenda with Kelly. And I kind of got drawn in as a kid. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So Dylan's going with the blonde over the brunette. I guess I was kind of advanced as a 10-year-old. So I got into the show then. And then, and I think it was FX that showed it, they started to put 90210 on syndication. And at that moment, I went back, and I have seen every episode, I would say at least multiple times. And you know what kind of boggles my mind going back and watching this show? The first season sucked. I mean, think about it. And that's what helps launch a TV show. If your first season sucks, usually you don't get a second season or a third season or a fourth season. But if you go back to the first season, and maybe it's simply, hey, it doesn't stand up. You know, certain things when you watch it 20 years later, 30 years later, it's just not as good as maybe what it was at the time. Maybe it was more groundbreaking at the time. I don't know. I can't speak on that because I didn't watch it live. But the show sucks. I mean, there was one episode in which they tried to make you care if Cindy, that's Brandon and Brenda's mom, was cheating on Jim. Who gives a crap? With a painter, I think it was. It was also a lot of standalone episodes that also got very preachy. What I fell in love with with 90210, I'll admit it, is the soap opera nature to it. And yeah, it got a little crazy, a little wild. So since BH90210 launched, and I will get deep into that show, what I like about it, what I don't like about it, if it should come back for a season two. But when that show debuted, it got me very nostalgic for the history of 90210, because even though I've seen every episode multiple times, I don't think I had watched a 90210 episode in five years. It had been that long. And with Hulu having every episode of 90210, I got nostalgic and said, I got to go back and watch some. And guess what? I've always admitted that I go to bed watching WWE Network. You know, I'll put the WWE Network on. I'll put on some old Raw, some old wrestling match. That'll put me to sleep. I need to go to sleep with something on the TV, or in this case, my iPad. I have been going to sleep with 90210 now for about a month. And so I didn't start from the beginning because, like I mentioned, season one sucked. So I actually jumped to what my memory tells me was the best season of 90210. Now I'm going to give everybody 30 seconds. Right, Because if you're this far into this podcast, if you're still listening to this crap, I assume you liked 90210. If you're still listening, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. If you love 90210, you probably have an opinion on this. So I'm going to give you a second to think about it. The best season of 90210. All right, you ready for the answer? The best season of 90210 was the sophomore year of college. And that was the year where Brenda left. Brenda left the freshman year. She went to London. She wanted to become a thespian. Kelly now started hooking up with Brandon. Andrea's got a baby. We're all concerned. Is the baby going to be okay? And so that next season, which began with Dylan losing all his money and becoming a, a just a drunk and a drug addict, Brandon and Kelly loving each other, but more importantly, the debut of Valerie Malone. And you know what's crazy? When a TV show loses characters... And, you know, we'll see it with 90210 because 90210 lost plenty of characters along the way. But when you lose 
a key character like Brenda, who was the star of the show. Remember, the original premise of this TV show is that two twins from Minnesota moved to Beverly Hills, California. That's the premise of the show. Premise of the show wasn't about Donna Martin losing her virginity or Steve Sanders. They were bit parts in this whole thing. Star of the show is Brendan Brandon. But I think the show needed that juice. It needed something different. And yeah, as the years went by, I would think and say, boy, it would be great if they could bring Brenda back. You know, she's almost this forgotten character in 90210 history. And characters had come back. You know, Dylan came back after he had left the, the late Luke Perry. But Valerie added an element that the show needed. And I thought that season, as wild as it was, with Kelly joining a cult, with Kelly being burned in a fire, with Dylan's drug problem, with Dylan going down to Mexico to get his money back, I, I love that season. That was my favorite season. And maybe I'm biased because I was a big fan of the Brandon-Kelly relationship. I That's my favorite couple in night. <laughs> that's my favorite couple in 90210 history. But I thought the juiciness that Tiffany Amber Thiessen added made that, pound for pound, the best season in 90210 history. And what helped with Val, and I think this is what helped her over any new character that was added over the years, whether it was Claire, whether it was Noah, whether it was Matt, whether it was Ray Pruitt, whatever character you want to bring up, why she was the best, I think is a familiarity aspect. I think we all knew her as Kelly Kapowski. And so for most of us watching, we didn't just see this woman come in who's this bad girl from Buffalo replacing Brendan. She's, you know, kind of upending how everybody's a goody two-shoes for the most part. I think that we knew her already, and that was a huge edge. And she was the most interesting character of the season. So if I had to name a best season, it would be that one. The worst season, not season 10 as bad as that was when the show was completely unrecognizable, you know, with Matt. Who cares about Matt and his wife, you know, and the fact that she's got some weird disease I feel bad saying that, but it's a TV show. It's fake, okay? It's not real. Uh, Dylan coming back was kind of lame with the way, you know, they said, oh, wait a second, Dylan's father's actually alive, which was one of the stupidest angles they ever had. So as bad as season 10 was, season 9, the end, and like any TV show, usually it sucks at the end. I do think season 1 was absolutely the worst. Now, BH90210. If you remember, they tried to create a, I don't even know if you want to call it a reboot, a continuation, whatever you want to call it, with 90210, where Kelly worked at the school at West Bev, where they had uh, David Silver's little sister and Kelly Taylor's little half-sister, Silver as they called her, as one of the main characters. And so they gave you a little bit of what may have happened after season 10 ended. And I think, I think Tori Spelling appeared on it. I think even Brenda appeared on it. I try to put that out of my memory. I did watch it. I'll admit it. Okay, I gave it a shot. I actually watched every episode. It was uh, it was horrendous. It was it was very risque, especially the first ever episode of Nine Hundred Two and I don't want to get into it, but um, there was quite an implication in the car that was shown in one of the early scenes. I'll leave it at that. But this idea that they came up with, I didn't know of at the time. So when my sister texts me and says, hey, Evan, do you know that there's a new 90210 coming out? They're doing a reunion. I said, really? And I think I had read something about it, but I had no idea what it was going to be. I didn't know if it was an interview show. I don't know if they were just continuing what had happened, you know, all these years later. I had no idea what the concept was. And sometimes when you go to a movie or when you try a new TV show, I like not knowing what the hell it's about. You know, I'm going to do a podcast coming up at some point about The Good Place, a TV show that was recommended to me on Twitter, which I appreciated. 
And me and my wife started it. We ended up loving it. I really had no idea what it was about. And there is something cool when you go into a show or a movie not having any idea what the premise is. And that's how I felt when I sat down and watched this first episode. And of course, when you watch the first episode of this new remake that came out over the summer, BH90210, they show you this odd universe in which Brandon and Kelly own the peach pit. And they show you the peach pit, and they show you this older version of Brandon. Really, everybody looked old except for Kelly and Steve. That's my opinion on how people look. David, too. So I guess what I'm trying to say is Brenda, look old, Brenda looked old, Brandon looked very old, and uh, Donna looked a little bit older. Yes, I'm going to use their uh, character names. I get confused. I, I'll just stick with their character names. So for the first 30 seconds, I, I was actually saying to the television, what the hell is this? What the hell is going on? And then they slowly reveal to you what you may have already known going into the show, but I didn't know, which is they're doing this odd, this is their real life, <laughs> this is the real actors, sort of like who they really are in real life, and they're all coming back together to do a 90210 remake. And I think the idea, the premise, is actually really good. And it reminds me of what they did on Curb Your Enthusiasm to bring Seinfeld back. Instead of just doing a Seinfeld reunion, instead of just bringing George Costanza and Elaine Bennis and Jerry back together as if, hey, it's 20 years later, here's what's going on, they did something like this on Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David was trying to put together a Seinfeld reboot. And so it was a, a creative way of giving us what everybody wanted. All the original characters back together, uh, kind of a fake show that they're creating. And I thought it was brilliant. This is a little bit of a knockoff of that, I'll admit it. It's different because 90210 and Seinfeld could not be more opposite in the nature of their shows. But the premise was, I got to admit, very, very creative. Now, just because you have a creative premise doesn't mean the show's going to be any good. And through that first episode, I was freaked out and confused. Very freaked out, very confused. What the hell is going on? Because I was still trying to wrap my mind around what they were doing. And I found as the episodes went by, and I think there were six total episodes of this BH90210, I found myself realizing that this is a comedy more than it is anything else. And sure, there were moments in 90210 where it was humorous, but nobody's going to confuse it with Friends or Seinfeld. It's not a comedy. It was a drama. It was a soap opera like they talked about. This remake, remix, whatever you want to call this BH90210, I found it to be a comedy. I mean, one of the funniest things I saw, or one of the funniest reoccurring themes that made me laugh is how much Jenny Garth hated Jason Priestley. Like, I just, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I like them as a couple, and so I think of Kelly and Brandon. I don't know. I found that whole thing kind of funny. I thought, and funny isn't the right word to describe this, but I thought Andrea Zuckerman, who was the most boring character in 90210, I didn't care about her marriage. I didn't care about her cheating on Jesse. I didn't care about her having a child. I didn't care about her in high school being the editor-in-chief. I didn't care about her taking a bus from a neighborhood that was in Beverly Hills. I never gave a damn about Andrea Zuckerman, yet I've never been more intrigued by Andrea Zuckerman with her kind of figuring out her sexuality. I thought it was fantastic. And maybe as a kid I was naive, but I never thought of Andrea as a lesbian when I was watching the show. And I guess that must have been something that a lot of people thought about. I never thought that. I just thought she was uninteresting. <laughs> that's, that's the way I looked at her. I just, I just didn't think she was a very interesting person. 
But her character, and again, they play off what she really is. She is the president of SAG-AFTRA. She's my president. I'm in the union. She's my president. And here she is battling to kind of figure out what her sexuality was. I thought that storyline was great. Tori Spelling having a billion kids and really being the producer or the creator of this show. Okay, yeah, it worked for me. Jason Priestley having a tough time having a child and then realizing that his wife is pregnant, but she cheated on him with the guy they want to hire as the head writer. All right, I'm into it. He looked the worst, by the way, of anybody. And I feel bad saying that because age is age. There's nothing you could do about it. And I'm not exactly the most handsome guy in the world, but he looked and didn't he have some kind of motorcycle accident? So I do feel kind of bad saying that. I'm just making an observation. What do you want from me? Steve must have had a billion Botox. I mean, my God, he, he looked the same, but he also looked sort of fake. And David Silver looked very young. It almost like, it's almost like David Silver didn't age. And how about David Silver being married to Carmelo Anthony's wife or ex-wife or whatever she is? I like that. That was kind of intriguing with her being this superstar, famous celebrity. Then you got the son aspect. Does David Silver have a son? Who is this freaky kid? And he really did freak me out throughout the six episodes. You knew something was off about him. Is he really David's son? Is he just some kind of stalker? So they gave each character a storyline that was uh, kind of balanced between pretty good to eh, whatever. Steve hooking up with um, the head writer after seeing on FaceTime that his wife was cheating on him. So they gave you very 90210-esque slash this is what's really going on in their life storylines to chew on that I was hooked by. But here was my favorite part of BH90210. The way they were able to incorporate some of the characters that they brought back. And there are so many characters that they can bring back. When you think about a TV show that was on for 10 years that had some characters that actually became part of the, the credits or the intro, as you call it, whether it was Kathleen Robertson as Claire whether it was Jamie Walters as Ray, whether it was Noah who became a character for many years, Matt, uh, Vanessa Marcel who played, uh, I think her name was Gina. They have a lot of characters, a lot of people they can go back to. So they incorporate Cindy Walsh, the mom of Brandon and Brenda, as, hey, now I'm a psychiatrist, so let's go to group therapy. And my favorite was Jamie Walters, Ray Pruitt, because... I tried to get my wife into the show, and the problem she had with the first episode was she said to me, you know, I never watched 90210, and I feel as if I'm lost watching it. And so I said, all right, fine, I understand that. Towards the end, I said, you know what, babe, you can watch this show without ever watching 90210. And so when they were trying to figure out who, I guess, vandalized their set, I guessed to her, hey, I have a feeling it's going to be Ray Pruitt, this, this Jamie Walters character. And she said, who's that? So I paused BH90210 and I said, well, what I think I heard about this guy is he was this musician. They had him on the show. He was Donna's love interest. And they made this huge mistake because they had, her, had him throw Donna down the stairs in Palm Beach at the end of season five. I think that was season five. My favorite season, whatever number it was, four or five. Sophomore, junior, senior, friend. Yeah, season five. And I said, they were never able to recover him from that. You know, especially in this day and age, you look back on it and say, what were the writers thinking? Once they have a character do that, he's got to be off the show. I mean, people are not going to be able to, to like Ray Pruitt. It's just not going to happen. Fair or not, that's just the reality of it. And so they basically had to write him off because of that storyline. 
So I tell her this story, and then there's Ray Pruitt playing. <laughs> this was, my, I think, my favorite scene of the entire BH90210. There's Ray Pruitt, Jamie Walters, playing that song he played 150 times on the show. He looks older but the same, so his hair is thinned out. He had puffy hair back in the day, but he's got that same face. And they explained everything I had just said to my wife, to the audience, about, yeah, they had they had him throw Donna down the stairs. They couldn't bring him back. The people didn't like him because they thought that, hey, maybe he was the one that vandalized the set because he's not on the remake. And I love that. That was my favorite. Bringing Jamie Walters back was good. And they brought a lot of people back. They didn't bring everybody back. I'd love to see a Claire back, a Noah, a Matt, because they were permanent characters on the show. And the, my favorite part of the whole Ray Pruitt thing was Shannon Doherty, who I haven't even touched on. I'll get to her in a second. Shannon Doherty saying, who are you? You know, because Shannon was already gone a year before Ray made his debut. And Ray says, oh, yeah, I was on season five. And Brenda says, this is my favorite. There was a season five? <laughs> so they had good comedic timing in this whole thing. That made me laugh. Maybe it wasn't funny, but it was funny to me. As far as Shannon Doherty is concerned, look, they needed her. For this show to work, they needed every character back. And obviously there was one character they couldn't get, the late Luke Perry. I thought they did an okay job addressing that early on. It's sad. It's sad for everybody. So I think by mentioning Luke too much, it would bring everything down. So I'm glad they said it at the time. Eh? The, you know, they mentioned, I think it was in the first episode, about Luke passing away, which, which is sad. I mean, you talk about an integral part of the show, Dylan McKay you could argue, was one of the most important characters on the show. His storylines were always in the mix, whether it was cheating on Brenda with Kelly, whether it was the father dying, whether it was what I talked about, him having the drug problem and the drinking problem and then driving off a cliff and ending up in a coma, and then obviously his return, which I don't think was handled perfectly, but nevertheless, he did come back. So he's a, a big part of the show, and it's still sad to think he isn't on the face of the earth anymore. But they needed Shannon Doherty. They needed her. She was a big part of the first four seasons, and I thought the way they handled her was perfect. She was mysterious. She wasn't around too often. She was freaking weird. She, the comment to Ray about there was a fifth season as if she had no idea, I loved it. So I thought that was very, very important. And overall, I got to tell you, I got to admit, and maybe it's because I'm a fanboy for 90210, I thought it was really good. I was compelled by it. Now, now one thing to keep in mind, is there are about, I'd say, four or five TV shows that me and my wife watch. And there are all shows that are on between the fall and the spring. A show, a show such as uh, This Is Us. You know, love This Is Us. When you're in the summer, there's not a lot of shows on. And this was a summer fill-in in the middle of August. So maybe the timing of it helped out. And I don't know what most people thought about it. I'm not surprised that it got a big rating right out of the gate and then slowly dipped. I think there was a huge curiosity factor just to see, hey, is this show any good? Hey, is this show even worth watching? No doubt, I think that was a big part of it. But I actually thought it was compelling. And I thought it was different. And, you know, if you can give me something that's a little bit different and creative, I'm into it. Because think about it this way. If there was a brand new TV show, brand new, and you said, okay, here's the premise. There's this famous TV show from 20 years ago, and they're trying to bring the characters back to do a remake. That's sort of a compelling story. You know, even without it being a real TV show that was incredibly popular. So I think that the premise of the show, without it even being 90210, actually was interesting. 
By the way, it's my favorite month of the year. It's September, and you know what that means. The NFL on CBS is back. You can stream your local games live every Sunday with CBS All Access. It's available across all your favorite devices. All you got to do is go to cbs.com slash Evan to get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. cbs.com slash Evan to get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. And how could I forget? Another character they brought back was Emily Valentine. And... Emily Valentine, as a character through 90210, was really, really dark and funny. First of all, and really dark at the beginning, because remember how she debuts this troubled high school student, both Dylan and Brandon wanted to go out with her, Brandon wins out, and then she becomes crazy. She's slipping Brandon a drug at a club, and then he starts dancing, which was always a sign of crazy things to occur, and then she burned their float that they all did. So she was this dark, crazy high school girl that Brandon really liked. And then they brought her back, if I'm not mistaken, twice. They brought her back once in season four when Brandon went to go try to find her in San Francisco. And then they brought her back again on the night that Kelly got burned in the fire. And speaking of Kelly, when you look at the history of 90210, David, Kelly, Steve, Donna, those are the four constants. Everybody else left or came back. Dylan obviously left. Uh, early part of season six. Brandon left. I think it was early part of season nine. We talked about Brenda leaving at the end of season four. Those four characters were the constants. But Kelly had to have had the most effed up things have to happen to her time after time. I mean, you think about all the things. If you just wrote down all the weird things that happened to Kelly Taylor over those 10 years, that doesn't happen to normal people in their life. She's in a cult she gets shot at the airport and has amnesia. That all happened. She's about to fall in love with another woman. Then she realizes, wait a second, maybe I'm not a lesbian. Then she falls in love with that Colin guy. And then she starts to have a drug problem. Can't beat him, join him. Then she's in love with Brandon. Then she's with Brandon. Brandon cheats on her. Uh, what am I missing? This so The fire. How can I forget the fire where her neck gets burned? And she joins that cult with Patrick Finley, who freaked me out, that guy. The guy in the wheelchair, Finley. I actually hate those episodes, even though it's a part of my favorite season. I just, I don't know what it is. Cults freak me out. Well, no, I know what it is. Cults should freak everybody out. And just that whole thing, I want to change my life. Can you help me? And then this dude, this Finley's marrying these 20-year-old men with the 50-year-old women to get a lot of money. And she gets Kelly to break up with Brandon and get back together with that. The whole thing kind of freaked me out. What's funny about that season, my favorite season, is it also had some of the worst storylines. You know, Andrea, and I mentioned how she always bored me, her character was done, I think, by... First of all, it was probably done from the beginning, but she was really done after she got married and had the kid. And so they tried to spice it up by having her involved in politics with Brandon when there was that, that controversial speaker coming. And then ultimately, her cheating on Jesse. Which, I, I don't know, it just, I hated it. In fact, when I, when I go back and watch those old episodes, as I mentioned, I go to sleep now watching 90210. When she comes on the screen, I hit the 10 second jump button. Because I don't want to watch it. It's depressing, and I don't like it, and I don't find it interesting. That's just me. The Dylan storyline where she he gets the money back from, um, I forget their names. I remember Erica, his uh, sister, his little half-sister. I forget the names of the two people that ripped him off. 
that one episode was very cool. You know, Valerie comes out there. It's like this this weird mystery drama show. Dylan gets his money back. He can go back to being the rich guy. Uh, gets to hug Erica. Oh, my God, they solved the mystery after one year. I think what I liked about it is why I'm a wrestling fan. It was a slow-building slow storyline. You know, when you, <laughs> when you think about it, that storyline began all the way back in the middle of season four. They didn't solve from beginning to end when he meets his little sister to solving the mystery until a year later, over a year later. My only problem is, think about this. He tracks down his little sister, he gets his money back, and then Erica's gone. We don't see her. Where the hell did she go? I don't even, I think they explained it really quickly that she was living with Iris McKay, which is Dylan's mom, which is kind of awkward. So this little Erica is now going to live with the mom of Dylan, who's not her mom, okay? So it's the woman who was married to her father, who I think cheated on Iris to have this kid. Now, now, I guess they figured, how do we fit Erica into Dylan McKay's crazy lifestyle? Maybe that's what they figured. But it was very thrown away. But remember, they brought her back, okay? After Dylan left, after the horrible murder of his wife, <laughs> I laugh about it, but some of these storylines are crazy. Antonia Marchette. After that happens, remember, Erica comes back, I think it may have been a season later, as a prostitute. And Kelly and Brandon have to, to save her. So they did bring her back down the road. She would be a good character to bring back in season two of BH90210. I'm 50-50 on if they're going to bring BH90210 back. They clearly ended it with a chance to bring it back. They ended it with the storyline of, we're going to have to refilm it. We're going to have to refilm in Canada. And one of the regular cast members can't come back because we have such a small budget. So they have opened up the storyline. And by the way, if they do that, we knew which cast member is not coming back. It'll be Shannon Doherty. She'll be one and done. It'll only be fitting. But they left it open for it to come back. I, I don't know if they're going to bring it back. I think if they do, bringing it back in a similar vein, six episodes during the summer is probably the way to go. I don't think this is going to be a show that can, can carry a full regular season of television. But as a small, hey, it's the summer, let's get distracted, let's have nostalgia, I don't think it's a bad idea. And I really think that when you look at some of the Old shows that have come back over the years. Will and Grace is back. Roseanne came back. Obviously, they changed it after they fired her to the Connors. I don't think there was anything creative with bringing those shows back. It was just, oh, yeah, we're back. How's it going? 90210, to their credit, with this remake, was very creative in how they did it. So I was a fan, and I hope there's a season two. And I thank you for listening, if you actually did, to this entire edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Coming up... Very, very soon, in fact, the Sunday of the baseball season ending, we'll have a Yankee regular season and playoff preview podcast. It'll be a Yankee roundtable. On the following Wednesday, October 2nd, it will be a Hell in a, Hell, Hell in a Cell retrospective. It'll be recorded at a Mets game. The following week will be our Mets regular season review. Our NBA prediction podcast will occur a couple days before the season starts, a Brooklyn Nets roundtable season preview podcast. And much, much more, including uh, there's a pay-per-view coming up, isn't there? WWE pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell. So we'll have an instant reaction to that, and you never know when instant reactions will pop up. Thank you for listening to this disaster known as the Beverly Hills 90210 podcast. Hopefully it was done right this time with no wind blowing in the background. Thank you for listening, and don't forget, Beningo and Roberts, 10 to 1 WFAN. Goodbye. Okay. 
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.